0: Hello and a very warm welcome to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. This program is all about helping you thrive in some of the most challenging coaching situations. Our aim is to support you in bringing your coaching to the next level, whether you're new to coaching or you're already an expert professional. Hello, this is Philippe Rollman, CEO from Pulp Agency, pulp.ch. You are listening to Dr. Katrina Burus. She is the executive coach that gets you from where you are to where you want to be. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the excellent executive coaching podcast. It's been brought to you by mkbconceal.com or said in French mkbconseil.ch. I'm your host, Dr. Katrina Burus, and this podcast is for managers, leaders, and executive coaches that want to excel. Hello, Marcia. Hi. Good. Thank Look, you. Mm-hmm. maybe we'll start by just uh, you giving a brief bio of yours. Mm-hmm. And of course these will be in the notes on my website. But okay. uh, I'd like to hear it from you.
1: Okay. Well, I've actually been involved with leadership development and how people relate to each other for well over 30 years. But it was 20 years ago that I found both coaching and emotional intelligence. And I realized, oh, this is what really makes a difference. This is so important to helping people truly change their behavior and have it last. So I was just so excited and got very involved and I helped with a founding member of the International Coach Federation, and since then I've been teaching coaching, speaking at coaching conferences, and teaching leaders around the world for the last 20 years.
0: Wow. Okay. Yes, that's right. You were a precursor, and also you were president of the ICF.
1: I was in the year 2000, when it was really just starting to just explode around the world. So it was exciting time.
0: So you definitely were a pioneer.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, Marcia, you've written a book, The Discomfort Zone. Mm-hmm. What brought you to write about this topic?
1: Well, actually, it was a conversation I was having with a colleague who's also been a coach for as long as I have, probably longer. And um, we'd also been assessors for a number of coaching schools in the ICF for years, and we were talking about how common it was that coaches, even very experienced coaches, that they would take a client just to a certain point, almost like to the cliff, but then wouldn't go over. They wouldn't take the risk. You know, they would either not ask the most profound question or they would ask the question and then they wouldn't go any deeper. They'd almost like sidetrack it. And so we were talking about what is that, that coaches won't go there. So I thought I would write a book, for coaches but then when I went to my publisher I said I want to write this book for coaches and he said write it for leaders the coaches will buy it and you know he was right because I generally work with leaders and so I thought if I need to hit both of them coaches will buy a leadership coaching book but leaders might not buy a coaching book so it was really wise for him to do that so that's how it all started
0: oh wonderful what are the key messages you give in your book? And how might it help the readers?
1: There's actually four things that I think are really key. But the first thing that is so important is I've really come to understand and every year get even more, I would say, of an advocate for presence, that I believe that presence is the really the key competency for coaching. And I'm talking about full body presence with intentional emotions because there's so much that's going on energetically between the coach and the client that's beyond words and the only way to really hold the client in that safe space to where they really are comfortably opening up to you is to hold this presence that's full of respect and compassion as well as curiosity so that's the first one the second thing, I think it's really important that people understand direct communications is not a threat. It's an offering. And we can go into that a little bit more. But I think being offering reflections and being very direct with what you're sensing is important to any leadership conversation as well as coaching. And then when you listen, clients Always give you a clue of what's stopping them from moving forward. Always. And it'll be tied to some emotion. And so listening for the clues in the story are so critical to this discomfort zone coaching. And then while you're listening to them is to be always aware of what are the things that are coming up. So not just in your analytical head, but what messages are coming up for you, what questions, what reflections that you feel that you should be sharing. So again, not to question them, just share them. It doesn't matter if you're wrong, they'll tell you what's right. So we really have to trust as coaches, have to trust what's emerging and what's coming up for us, and then just share that with the client, because the insights are coming from far more than your analytical brain.
0: Very interesting. And so you say that many coaches don't really go that deep in sharing that kind of intuitive uh, information?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, because even when I work with coaches and I have this three-centered listening practice, and they can really hear what's message are coming from their heart and their gut, they still say, oh, but I wasn't comfortable sharing. And I don't know if it's they're afraid of a negative emotional reaction in their clients. And, and what's fascinating, it's often that negative reaction that leads to insight. So we can't be afraid of that, of asking the question that will make the person like stop, gasp. And have that emotional reaction because within that, what's happening is the brain is like rewiring and realizing new things. I mean, that's what we're aiming for in coaching. But it could cause discomfort in the client, which is good.
0: Mm. Interesting. I find that a lot of leaders are not challenged enough because the people around them, if they say really what they think or they disagree, there's a political consequence So in some ways, I feel that they're very open to wanting to hear something that is straightforward, uh, even uh, challenging them.
1: I agree with you, Katrina. I think they want to be challenged. My CEOs and top leaders have always appreciated that I pushed them over the edge a little. And um, I think that as coaches, we have to look at our own unconscious bias as to who it is we're speaking to you know we often think of unconscious bias as a negative discrimination but we all carry judgments about people when we go into any relationship and we have to stop and release that and you know remember that we're in service of the person with us and so we need to share whatever comes up no matter who that person is
0: very good point So what were some of the challenges and the insights you had when you were writing your book?
1: What was most interesting for me was when I started to find all the research on this, what I call the three-centered listening, the listening with your entire nervous system, and how much of that research is just brand new, is just coming forward, that, um, We really listen all along our vagus nerve. So the brain is attached to the heart and the gut through the vagus nerve. And we're constantly receiving information throughout this whole system, as well as we're putting out energetic information. So when I said that you have to have an emotional intention, is that that staying calm, courageous, And compassionate is really critical that we hold that because our clients are going to pick that up and that's what's going to create the open space for them to be willing to explore with us.
0: Can you explain what you mean by the three levels of listening?
1: Sure the nervous system is actually picking up signals all along this thing called the vagus nerve but there's three major processing centers and one of course we know is the brain but also the heart that's where you really hear what is it that people want and they're not saying, but also why are they cynical? You know, what happened in their lives that they were disappointed or felt betrayed? You know, you can pick up things from your heart at that level. And then your gut is really your center, your core, your point of strength. It's what moves you forward in life. And from the gut, we can really pick up not just what people fear, but what they're afraid of letting go of and so many times it's like people are so stuck with what was even good in the past that they can't let go to move forward so when we open our centers and we fully listen from there we can hear you know in coaching we always talk about hear beyond the words well it's very difficult to be here beyond the words to hear the beliefs the desires The attachments, the disappointments, it's very hard to hear that from your analytical brain if that's all you're doing. And then if you're mostly using your brain, even if you're picking up these things from your gut and your heart, because the brain is the place that has language, the signals are always sent upward to the brain to translate into language. But then we filter them and censor them. And that's why coaches like won't share what they're sensing because it hits the brain and they say, oh, you can't say that. (laughs) And their brain stops them. So we have to be able to just, you know, be willing to share what emerged.
0: So what do you suggest to coaches if they find themselves in that situation? They're hearing something, they have this intuition, and they don't really dare to say it.
1: Well, you know, they can always ask permission. I'm sensing something. Is it okay I share it with you? If they feel they need to do that, and I believe even the ICF suggests that you do that, but I don't. I just say, you know, I'm sensing this. Is this true for you? And just go with it because it's always amazing that there's some value. Even if you're not quite right, it helps the client to think more deeply. And sometimes they have to go think about it. I've had clients, I had one CEO say, I just can't answer that right now. I can't deal with that. And um, I said, okay, fine. So call me back when you can. And it was about a week later, he said, okay, I got it. I understand it. And he just needed the time to process what I had sensed was going on with this decision he had to make. So, you know, I just go with it. You know, there was some really interesting research where they were mapping the brain of rappers. And they said, for a rapper, when they create their music, they start out very intentionally, knowing where they want to go. But then their cognitive brain shuts down. And it's like things just seem to emerge from somewhere and then spark in their creative brain. When they go to finish the wrap, their cognitive brain comes back online and they do whatever they need to do to close it. And I believe coaching is the same thing, that yes, we have to determine what is it the person really wants in our time together up front, so we start out very cognitive. But then we have to go into this spontaneous process where we really are fully present and sharing what we sense as well as what we hear. And then when we go to close the session, you know, we get the commitment. What is it that you need to do going forward? What could get in the way? You know, what support do you need? So we get very cognitive at the end. So I love mapping the coaching process to the composing a rap (laughs) because that's what we're doing.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you give a lot of good advice to coaches and leaders to uh, help them progress and see different perspectives of themselves.
1: Absolutely. I mean, to me, that's what coaching is, is that we help people to think for themselves. And what's really interesting is what I discovered in researching the discomfort zone was that we human beings are not good at self-reflection. Even those of us who've been trained as coaches, it's very difficult for us to coach ourselves. And we're designed that way because we have this huge protection around our ego, which ego is my sense of self and how I see the world. And we have to protect that because we can't go through life not knowing who we are and understanding the world around us. It's survival. So just like you can't tickle yourself, if you try to tickle yourself, you can't do that. It's the same thing. It's like the brain sees you trying to tickle yourself and says, no, nah, not going to let that happen. So when you try to reflect in your own brain, why do I do that? What's going on? It's very difficult to do. So what we're doing as coaches is we're just helping people to do something they cannot do for themselves, and that's to truly look at who am I in this situation? What are the assumptions I'm holding? What's holding me back in who I think I am and how I see the world? And when we share reflections of what we hear them saying and then we ask the questions based on what we're sensing, it makes them stop and question themselves. And it it like breaks through that ego barrier. The thing they can't do for themselves is what we as coaches do for them. So again, we're not helping them to look at, you know what are all your options for solving the problem? I mean, we can ask that question, but mostly they can do that themselves. What we're doing is helping them do something they can't do for themselves, and that is really look at who am I in this situation, how am I maybe getting in the way, and within that, how can I see my world and myself in a broader way, which opens up my possibility for action. So one of my favorite quotes is by Richard Boyatzis, and he says, You cannot see outside of the box until you first see the box. And that's what we as coaches do, is we help people see the box.
0: The title, Discomfort Zone, why Mm -hmm. did you select that type of a title for this book? Could you link what you're saying to the title of the book?
1: Sure. So when we share those reflections and those powerful questions, oftentimes, again, if we break through that barrier, what will happen is the person is going to get really silent. Because the brain is a meaning-making machine, and so all of a sudden, if you start to question yourself, the brain goes, oh, I have to make a new meaning out of what I'm now looking at. So the person, while the brain is rewiring, the person will get really quiet. And then what will happen is they'll have an emotional reaction, and now that they see themselves in the world differently, they might laugh at themselves, they could Even um, be sad because they hadn't realized this before and they could even get really angry and, and not even know why. And if we as coaches just hold the space for them to have this reaction, generally they'll process through and they'll come out of it. So first off, we're dealing with their discomfort in the moment. And we have to be okay with actually making our clients feel a little bit uncomfortable because in the moment of that discomfort is when they're most open to learn and see themselves in the world differently so their behavior will change. And so we also have to recognize when we feel a little uncomfortable for doing that and come back to being just, you know, calm. And courageous and compassionate.
0: So what would be one advice you would give coaches and managers about the discomfort zone? What can they do like call to action put into place to be more aware of this?
1: Well actually what I really like both the leaders that I work with and the coaches is to remember that the person that you're with They want you to be present more than they need you to be perfect. So when I started this conversation with you, I talked about that presence is really the most important thing. And the gift we give people when we're fully present in any conversation, whether it's a coaching conversation or you're just sitting down as a leader with an employee or a peer or even your own leader, and you give them that gift of being fully present with them, and that energetic exchange that helps them to sink into the moment and to feel okay with who they are is just so amazing. So remember that first, is that you don't have to know exactly what to say and to rehearse it a hundred times. And you don't have to be the perfect coach, the perfect leader, because I don't know who is. So they want you to be present more than they need you to be perfect.
0: Very, very nicely said. Presence. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you gave them an assignment to our listeners. That's wonderful. Where can people contact you, and where can they purchase your book?
1: Well, the book is readily available on Amazon in most places around the world, and that's probably the easiest and most cost-efficient way of getting the book. And then my website is outsmartyourbrain.com. So I'm Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at OutsmartYourBrain.com, and I am happy to answer questions anytime. But on the um, website, if they click on the discomfort zone, they will find exercises, and there's a quiz on how well do you handle discomfort. They can download a chapter of the book. There's an exercise there that I really recommend as a call to action that really teaches them how to, it uses visualization to drop into, really listen to their entire nervous system. And if they can practice that on a regular basis, just listening from those levels, that it will become natural over time.
0: Wonderful exercises. Great. So it's Mm -hmm. the discomfortzone.com. Is that right?
1: The um, website is outsmartyourbrain.com. Okay that's my first book and when you go on there when you look at the index on top the bar you'll see the discomfort zone is one of the things you can click on and that's where you'll find all the options and the training support is where the exercises are and but if you just click on the discomfort zone itself you'll see all the different things you can download and there's a quiz you can take
0: wonderful marcia how wonderful for for all of us and uh you have written other books, so I'm sure you can find a lot of resources on your website.
1: Definitely. <laughs>
0: so thank you very much, Marsha. This was most interesting, and I can't wait to read your book. Yeah, I encourage everyone to invest in themselves, and especially also experienced coaches and inexperienced coaches, both to be able to step beyond their discomfort zone, to be better coaches. So thank you, Marsha.
1: Thank you, Katrina. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to all future podcasts at excellentexecutivecoaching.com and sign up for monthly newsletters featuring all the latest tips and techniques to bring your coaching to the next level. Join us again soon. And until then, bye for now.